greener on the other side. Caterpillar to a butterfly. Bye, bye, butterfly. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Hey, you're back listening to Green and Growing on a Saturday morning. And, of course, I bring you all of the experts. I bring you people that are very knowledgeable in their fields. And he's been on the show before, Jim Putnam, host of HortTube. Good morning, Jim. Thanks for coming back. Uh, good morning. Yeah, thanks for having me back on again. Now, I know a lot of my listeners know about your HortTube channel and your YouTube videos. But for those who may not, tell them what they're missing. I have about, well, I think 1,250 videos on YouTube uh, teaching folks how to uh, garden. You know, a lot of my uh, a lot of my gardening is centered around the southeast, um, zone 7B, 8A, similar to where you guys are there in Atlanta. I'm up in Raleigh. Folks can look to you for inspiration, you know, breaking down easy ways of how to and all of that kind of thing. If they don't know how to prune an azalea, if they don't know how to plop a plant in the ground, you're the guy. Yeah, yeah, that's that, that's kind of that's kind of the things I cover, and then I also do tours of uh, large, you know, ex- established landscapes, so people can get some inspiration on things that they can do in theirs. That's right. Now, one thing that I think inspires people is growing their own food, right? So this is the time of year folks have vegetable gardens going, and they don't really think a lot about fruits, I don't think. Folks may be intimidated by the thought, oh, I don't want a home orchard, I don't want to grow peach trees and apple trees. But guess what? It's National Blueberry Month, and blueberry bushes could not be simpler to grow. And that's why you're with me today to talk about National Blueberry Month. Oh my gosh, they're so easy. Yeah, yeah, they really are. And, you know, yeah, pe- people try to grow fruit, you know, fruiting trees and they, they can be quite a bit more complicated. Yeah. But the fruiting shrubs, the things like blueberries and figs and some of the some of the vines like blackberries and, you know, those those things can be quite a bit easier. Yeah. And they're just beautiful to look at in the landscape. You know, a large blueberry bush and when it's got all of its white flowers on it in mid spring or so. And of course, the green berries turning to blue. And, you know, you can share with the birds if you so choose or throw some netting over it if you don't want to. But talk to me about the varieties that you like. Like you said, you're in a very similar climate there in the Raleigh area as us. But what varieties work for you? I've got two rabbit eye blueberries. That's one that people might be familiar with. Um, Blueberries are sold based on the amount of chill hours that your area gets. And so here in Raleigh and down through the Atlanta area, you'll see a lot of rabbit eye varieties. Most of them are going to need 400 to 800 chill hours. Those are hours that you spend below 50 degrees during the uh, wintertime. And that's kind of important that you're buying blueberries that kind of fit uh, the amount of cold you're getting in the winter. But the two rabbit eye blueberries I have are Bless Your Heart and Takes the Cake. And they were actually done uh, down at UGA. Oh, nice. Yeah, those, those are great ones. And then I have two Southern Highbush varieties, and Southern Highbush varieties were bred down at University of Florida, and they require less chill hours. But I've been trying um, out Hello Darling and I Declare are the two that I have, and they've actually done fantastic here in Raleigh as well. All four of those varieties are from the Southern Living Plant Collection, and you can find them you know, throughout the Southeast. Such Southern names. And now I got to ask, yes, exactly. is the yield the same for both varieties, would you say? Yeah, very similar. I think that I'll probably get, um, just depending on the winter, I'm sure that one or the other will fail. But the first two seasons, I've had both of these two rabbit eyes and two southern high bush in the ground. I've gotten a great yield on both of them. And wouldn't you find, I mean, you're busy in your landscape. You've got a lot going on and you're out there doing videos as well. But wouldn't you say blueberries are one of those really rewarding shrubs, you know, not only because it's fruit bearing, but it's low maintenance, Jim. Yeah, they're very, very low maintenance. And the other, I, I, you know, going back to what you 
said earlier, I think they're they're super undervalued for their ornamental quality from the from the flowers uh, to the blue green foliage to the decorative fruit, and then of course they get tremendous fall color. Yeah, they and do. And these these yeah these breeding programs that we're looking at now, not only are they picking them for the you know the fruit production, but they're also picking them for their ornamental value. So I just use them throughout the landscape as if they're woody shrubs, just like an azalea or anything else. Now, give us the conditions, you know, sun and shade and all that kind of stuff where yours are planted, and then maybe what uh, companion plants you've got growing around them for the complete look in the in the landscape. Definitely sun. You know, fruit, fruit plants are definitely, sun, you know, sun-loving sun plants. And these are acid-loving plants. These are plants that are going to be similar to your azaleas, rhododendrons, pieris, the plants that really like low pHs. And we're good to go here in the southeast. <laughs> that, you know, the, our, the red <laughs> clay. Oh. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're good to go and, grow. you know, to grow them. I do mound them up a little bit in my clay soils, um, you know, and, and I, I would recommend that just to not flood them. But as long as they're, you know, mount, mounted up a little bit, we have the perfect pH, we have the perfect conditions. I will say that these ericaceous plants, and ericaceous plants um, include azaleas and rhododendrons, again, and pieris, they tend to have very shallow fibrous root systems. And hmm. so you want to keep them well mulched um, because the roots are right up near the surface. And, and underplanting can help with that a bit as well. So I will underplant mine with some part shade uh, ground cover because they're going to be, you know, tucked up under them a little bit. I'll put herbs around them. Wow. Um, Zinnias, Cosmos. I've got all kinds of things planted around my blueberries. They don't have any problem with it. They fruit fantastic. And that shading of the roots really does help them during our heat of our summers. Well, and that's a great idea, too, as you mentioned, having some herbs around them, too, because then it's kind of a one-stop shop. You can go out there, get a bucket full of blueberries (laughs) and get some herbs at the same time. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And, and for someone who's never really had the joy of harvesting blueberries from a large blueberry bush, um, talk to us about, I mean, you know, you really have to keep up with it. It is going to produce a lot. And how often would you say you need to harvest? I mean, is this kind of an everyday go out there kind of thing or what should folks expect? Yeah, I would I would be harvesting every day. It will take a few years. You know, it's not it's not something, I mean, the first year you put a three, you know, let's say you buy a three-gallon blueberry plant and put it in the ground. It can take, you know, two or three years before you're starting to really get um, higher yields. But, um, you know, over over time, they're going to become pretty large landscape plants and they're going to produce a lot. And you want to pick them as often as possible. Otherwise, the birds, you know, you're definitely competing with the birds (laughs) (laughs) otherwise. But they don't come in the house. They never make it in the house here. I just eat them right off the plant. And you absolutely can. Yeah, that doesn't weird me out at all. I mean, I wash everything else, but blueberries are so small, just pop them right in. Now, what makes yours sweeter you know, sometimes they may have more of a tart taste. So how do you ensure that yours are going to be sweet? I don't know if that's variety specific or if they were maybe picked early, potentially, if Mm. you're buying them from a grocery store. You know, they can't pick completely mature fruit, you know, that they're going to have on a shelf for a period of time. So I think that having them at home is going to allow you to pick them when they're fully matured and fully sweet, as opposed to, you know, maybe they were picked early from the grocery store. Could be, could be. Well, Jim, thank you so much. And if anybody wants to know a little bit more, we're going to have Pike Nursery along in just a little bit to talk about uh, varieties that they have in the nurseries right now that you can go ahead and grab and a few more care tips and planting these properly. And Jim, how can folks find you online and keep up with all that you're doing? Search me on uh, YouTube for um, either HortTube or uh, Jim Putnam. You'll find me on YouTube and over on Instagram if you want to follow my uh, travels. Really good to have you back, Jim, and I look forward to the next time we get to chat. Okay, awesome. Thank you very much.
Well, we talked about the little white flowers on blueberry bushes in the spring. And now with a question about a beautiful white flower, it's David from Jonesboro. Good morning. Sitting here in front of my my open window, getting semi-high, smelling my gardenias. Oh, my goodness. Lucky you. Well, that's the issue. Is there any way that you know of to extend the blooming period on the gardenias? They they, they do beautifully for two, maybe three weeks. And uh, that's... That's the end of them for me. Gosh, no, not that I know of. Because, you know, a lot of flowers and plants we can deadhead. And when you take off the expired blooms, that means that more are going to come on. But a gardenia has so much energy just to set the buds and then for the flowers to open. And, of course, you know, when the flowers get wet, they'll start to expire a little bit more quickly because of the browning that happens to those white petals, and then they start to wilt. What I would do, David, if I were you, you already have a lot, I would get different varieties. Um, I would buy all kinds of different, like, the old school, you know, large gardenias that you probably have. The one that I have that I'm really enjoying right now is Diamond Spire, and it's like a little dwarf gardenia, and it sets a lot smaller flowers, but they're just as fragrant. That's probably going to have a little bit different of a bloom time than the traditional gardenias. I would get a couple of different kinds, plant two or three varieties, and kind of see if they don't just kind of offset each other And maybe, you know, when one starts to fade, the other's going to start putting out more blooms. That would be my suggestion. Go to Bath and Body Works and buy everything gardenia scented (laughs) like I do, because that is one of my favorites. I'll take that under advisement. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think different varieties may be the way to go. And that way you've always got something going on. Gosh, I mean, it is intoxicating. And I actually... On the Facebook page, when you search Green and Growing WSB on Facebook, I made the profile picture of the page, um, a gardenia. I'd walked through Dan Cathy's garden not too long ago, this past week actually, and some of the most pure, white, beautiful, clean gardenia blooms I've ever seen. And the the groundskeepers are like, yeah, you can cut a couple. And I felt awful doing that, but I brought them home. I, I have them floating and they're still looking pretty good. Um, And they smell amazing. But I made that flower, that gardenia bloom, my profile picture for the Facebook page. And oh, my gosh, hundreds of people liked that simple photo of a gardenia. And it was just something about it. Pure white, so beautiful. You could almost smell it off of the computer screen. But I thought that really made everybody happy. Just a picture of a gardenia. So a little photo goes a long way. So do that too, David. Take a lot of pictures and share them with everybody and just spread the joy in that. So thanks for the call. Very good question. If anybody has any suggestions um, for how he can extend the bloom time, I would love to know. Gosh, peonies too. Peonies are one of my favorite things. And yeah, you get like two or three awesome weeks around the end of April, beginning of May of peony flowers. And then, yeah, they're gone. It's like it's it's just so sad. You want it to last forever. Joe, in just a little bit. Actually, you know what? I have time for Joe now. Hey, Joe, you're up next. Good morning. Hey, how are you, Ashley? Great. You've got a good idea. Yeah. I, first of all, I love your show. I get to listen to you for about 10 or 15 minutes on Saturday oh, mornings when I do you. my errands. and. Today, I'm driving for two hours, so I get to listen to your health show. <laughs> God it's, bless you, Joe. <laughs> the, gentleman that, the gentleman that called in about gardenias, I have a couple of ideas. One, I found out a few years ago, a buddy turned me on to it. He said, if you take the petals and put them in the floorboard of your car or your truck, oh. that they will actually act as an air freshener, and they work wonderful. I do it every year. I love and I get, that. I, I take an old stocking, or I started at first to a small paper bag where the top can be open and just either stick them under the seat of the car where you won't kick them around or stick them in the floorboard 
And about a week later, you know, you're going to want to take them out because they're going to go bad. But yeah. the smell actually stays for about another week. That's fantastic. So it's free. It makes you happy. It makes a two-hour drive a lot more pleasant because of the fragrance. Joe, thank you very much for calling and for listening. We'll be right back. It's Green and Growing on WSB. A few more thoughts on blueberries, and of course we're going to get into it more with uh, Allison Smith from Pike Nursery coming up in just a few minutes. But uh, mine have never been pruned. Mine have stayed in pots on the back deck for five years. (laughs) So this is going to be the year that I repot them and do larger pots. And if you're thinking about pruning as well, so transplanting if they're potted or pruning, all of that needs to be done once they're out of active growth, once they're done producing. I wouldn't interrupt them now. So I will be doing that into the fall for sure. Just a note in case you've been wondering. Green Green and growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. All right. From blueberries to pumpkins, how about that? I'm already thinking about the fall, can you believe it? But now is the time to plant pumpkin seeds, and that's going to be so much fun to do with the kids. Now through, say, the middle of the month, plant them about just one inch deep and make sure the vines have plenty of surrounding room. Maybe you can buy a packet of pumpkin seeds or you still have a pumpkin hanging around that you want to dry the seeds out of. And they do better if you mound them up just a little bit as well so they don't stay soggy or wet. Number two, plant these vegetables before the middle of the month. This way you're going to have time for them to mature before the first frost, you know, which is going to come up before we know it. Uh, You can do another round of tomatoes, okra, corn, pole beans, and lima beans, all of that according to the University of Georgia Extension calendar. And also, why not, one more round of cucumbers, squash, and snap beans. And I mentioned in the last hour Uh, This article you've got to see on my Facebook page, Green and Growing WSB, from the University of Minnesota Extension, talking about some of the problems folks are having with their vegetables. And it boils down to the heat, that dry heat that we had in June. It was so, so hot. you got to check that out if things just don't look quite right to you in your garden this year. And number three, centipede and Bermuda grass. They could be stressed, still showing signs of stress from the heat and the lack of rainfall we had weeks ago. Raise your mowing height just about a half inch to an inch until the stress is eliminated. And always mow with a sharp blade, and you don't have to bag the clippings. You know, we've done that age-old argument whether you bag them and dump them or leave them. Leave them to decompose on decompose on the turf surface. All right, coming up with just half an hour left to go and Pike Nursery with more because it's National Blueberry Month, and that's a great shrub to talk about. And by the way, trees and shrubs are guaranteed for life at Pike Nursery, and this is is a shrub. So you save your receipt or whether you've put your number in, being a Play in the Dirt member, these are guaranteed for life. And I promise you're not going to mess them up. If Jim didn't already sell you on the idea of blueberries, Allison Smith from Pike Nursery will. She has a great disposition, always so cheerful to hear from on a Saturday morning. So that comes up next. Stay tuned. I'm glad you're here. You're listening to Green and Growing on WSB. It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. 
Welcome back to Green and Growing. Half an hour left to go. And then Dave Baker and the Home Fix-It Show. It's Ashley Frasco with Allison Smith from Pike Nursery. So glad you joined us again. Allison, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. And I guess I should wish you a happy National Blueberry Month. (laughs) Indeed you should. It is the month of blueberries. We love it. Yeah, I mean, it gets its whole hour here on the show today. I was talking to Jim Putnam, um, host of HortTube, and he was talking about the Southern Living Plant Collection and just, you know, care for blueberries and all of that. And, of course, a lot of plants from the Southern Living Plant Collection can be found at all 15 uh, area Pike Nursery stores. But today we really want to hammer home again, kind of having that cross-pollinating, you know, two different varieties of blueberries, Allison, and how folks need to get started on that and the types that thrive in our region. So what can you tell us about that? Oh, I can talk about it forever. We'll keep it short. (laughs) We do love blueberries. And uh, while there are self-pollinating and cross-pollinating, just out the gate, um, even if you have a self-pollinating blueberry, you will get a more bountiful harvest if you throw another one in the ground or in a pot next to it. Um, But we do have both kinds. The reason uh, the cross-pollinating, just as a quick background, they need to be planted with other varieties. And that just increases the success of your harvest. And who doesn't want loads of delicious blueberries, right? It is one of the most (laughs) abundant, you know, crops that you can do. I mean, you you get a few strawberries from one plant, you know, you get maybe, I don't know, 10, 12 cucumbers from one plant, but holy cow, a really healthy, sturdy blueberry bush, you're going to be harvesting off of it for weeks, if not a month. For sure. You'll have blueberry pancakes, pies, all the things on your yogurt, on your granola, all the things you could want just right there in your garden. It's fantastic. Absolutely. Now, I didn't know they were self-pollinating, though. That's interesting. Yeah, there are two kinds. So we'll talk about the, the cross-pollinating ones that that, uh, that most people are real familiar with. Those kind of fall in the rabbit eye family of blueberries. And all of these that I'm going to speak about, Ashley, all thrive in our region. So everything that we're talking about is going to do great here in the Atlanta metro. Um, the rabbit eyes are native to the southeast. And a bonus, they're pretty pest resistant, which is great. Um, not 100% rabbit resistant, but pest resistant <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Uh, And they definitely need more than one variety um, uh, to plant alongside for really good crop, that cross-pollination. Climax and Tiff Blue are are two uh, varieties that a lot of people know about. Um, The Climax berries ripen really early. So if you got them in in spring, you're probably enjoying those blueberries right now. Um, And Tiff Blue are known for their really abundant uh, uh, large berries. So those ripen a little bit later in summer. So now is a good time to start looking, if you've got those in your garden or you're planning on planting them, to looking uh, out for that crop to be harvested. As far as the self-pollinating blueberries, which I know a lot of my friends who live in the city, they love this because they can get them in containers, get them on their balconies. If they've got a tiny porch, not a big yard, they love the self-pollinating because they just need one. And they fall in the high bush family. So there are both northern and southern types of high bush blueberries, but the southern types are going to be best for our region, obviously. They, uh, They require less chilling time to create flowers, and they will start to bloom sooner in the year. So uh, one of my favorites personally is the Bountiful Blue. 
um, it you just it is bountiful, and they are gorgeous blueberries. They're pretty compact uh, when they first kind of emerge in in late spring, early summer, and a lot they're about the size of like uh, little hedge shrubs. So they're great for containers, um, and I love them. They really are bountiful. And then there's the pink icing and the jelly bean, um, which <laughs> true to their name, the jelly bean are super super sweet. So those ripen late July and early. August. We've got loads of those in our greenhouse ready to be scooped up. Um, some of my associates kind of walk by eyeballing to see when the blueberries are, are ready, maybe to fall off in their hand for a little snack. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> happens really to good. fall off when you walk by. You know. Now, <laughs> but that's true. a good question. A brand new plant, you know, if we were picking it up right now, um, they do bury as soon as their first year, you know, in someone's possession. Yes, uh, the the maturity that we get in are are ready to bury their first year. As long as they flowered and didn't get snapped in a freeze, which ours didn't, um, they w- they will produce uh, fruit the first year. We see loads of them come in already with fruit ready to plop off. So yeah, the first year you can get blueberries. Okay. And as with any uh, tree or shrub, Allison, you know, ideally we're wanting to install these in the fall. So that's going to be after they've buried. We can still do it. Um, We just need to really be mindful of maybe some mulch and keeping them watered at the base for sure. But how else would you suggest, you know, really successfully going about planting and establishing new blueberry bushes? That's a great question. You can, you really can plant year round, but we just have to be extra diligent. Um, some might say coddle our plants if we're getting them in the ground now, simply, simply because it's, it's a little hotter and it's a little more stressful for them to move into a new place. So watering every morning, um, blueberries, like all fruit bearing uh, trees and shrubs do require a good amount of water to produce that fruit. We don't want to overwater them. So I always like uh, advising all of my clients, water in the morning. Get it in there in the roots, let the plant soak it up so it's well hydrated uh, through the week or through the day rather. All berries, but blueberries specifically, love acidic soil, which is a bonus because our soil is naturally acidic. But I strongly recommend at the point of planting, use not only a good root starter fertilizer, um, but to maintain your blueberries, a good organic, slow release, acid loving um, fertilizer like Dr. Earth Acid Lovers or um, Espomus Hollytone. Hollytone is one of my favorites for blueberries berries, just generally speaking. Now, that's going to be good. Is that a granular fertilizer that we just kind of need to spread on top of the soil surface? Yeah, exactly right. Those are both granulars. They're nice, slow release. I like to call that foolproof. So uh, you don't have to have an exact measurement where you're getting them in. And I always like stirring up the soil a little bit, getting that fertilizer there. You know, just stir up the soil about half an inch. So so when you water in, the fertilizer doesn't wash away. It gets right down there into the roots, and, and you know it works. Again, I've mentioned slow release a couple times. It's kind of giving a consistent amount of nutrients to your blueberries every day for about four to six weeks, even amongst all of your heavy watering in the morning uh, through the summer months. We're talking to Allison Smith, manager of the East Cobb location at Pike Nursery. And once you get those blueberries, Allison, we're talking about it being National Blueberry Month, but keeping them away from the birds and the squirrels. Do y'all sell, you do have just like the bird netting, right? I can buy it by the yard or something that I can just throw over these bushes. We sure do. Yeah, that's the one thing. Blueberries are tantalizing to everyone, including uh, including little bunny rabbits. So getting some netting will just deter them. Uh, they don't want to get caught up in a net. Um, it disrupts them. So just getting a simple netting right over your blueberry bushes will help protect those for your enjoyment and not the 
bunnies. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, if they fall on the ground and the bunnies get them that way, I'm okay with that. But yeah, don't come crawling up in the, in the blueberry bushes or my squirrels stand on the railing of the deck and just lean over like no big right? thing, you know? Oh. Yeah. So and that is a gr- that is one of the great parts about blueberries and harvesting them. Um, sometimes we see them and we want to pluck them right off. The great thing about blueberries, wait till they really turn blue. Um, they're not going to ripen anymore once you pick them, and they, they will fall right off in your hand when they're ready. So That's if, really if good advice. if you touch them and they pop in your hand, you know they're edible. <laughs> yeah, unlike tomatoes, you know, which you can pick a little bit early and then ripen inside, you don't want to do the same with blueberries. Um, and also, I mean, just when you go out and harvest, I mean, do you need gloves, keep your hands dry? I mean, really, for someone that's never done it and they want to bring the kids along, what's involved in harvesting? Uh, it's pretty easy. They should fall right off. Um, if you've ever been uh, to a berry picking farm, you know, you can have little buckets or containers. Um, depending on how you've treated your blueberries, we always recommend if you need have pests or fungus or anything like that using organic. So you certainly want to wash your hands afterwards. But pulling them off with dry hands or gloves is just fine. Don't squeeze too hard. <laughs> As we know, if that blueberry is ripe, it'll squish right in your hand. Um, and just collect them there. Keep keeping them washed off and then in the fridge. Uh, so you can enjoy them at your leisure is the best step forward after that. Good. And then Brittany gave us the tip, too, in preparing our conversation for today. Freeze them in Ziploc bags. If you just harvested too many, they'll keep perfectly that way. Absolutely. Then when you're craving some blueberry pie or muffins or any of the above blueberry pancakes in the winter, you can just pop open that freezer and have them right there. And one last mention, too, I think Jim and I talked about this, the nice fall color, too, of blueberry bushes, Allison, because the leaves are going to change, and they're going to look really nice and colorful before the leaves fall off for the winter. Oh, absolutely. In addition to the bonus of, of providing a tasty treat, blueberries, uh, blueberry bushes are gorgeous in the fall and in the spring when they erupt and flower out. So it's a lovely addition to any landscape and just has that bonus of providing a delicious treat. Now, I know my listeners will not mess it up, but say that I, you know, maybe I plant the blueberry bush (laughs) and it dies or I planted it too deeply. I forgot to water it. I don't know. What can y'all do for me? Oh, we're Pike Nursery, and trees and shrubs, including blueberries, are guaranteed for life. If you stumble across any problems along the way, always come. We give our expertise for free. We love helping gardeners solve problems, avoid problems, all of the above. But if things go sideways, and they do, um, (laughs) it's just Mother Nature. It happens. We guarantee our trees and shrubs for life. So come on in, talk to us. We'll replace it. We'll get you something different. We're here to help. Thank you very much, Allison. And everybody can visit pikenursery.com for uh, locations. And I think there was a class this past week as well. So uh, stay up to date on the very latest Pike Nursery is doing online and on Instagram and Facebook. Have a wonderful weekend, Allison. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure, Ashley. Thank you. Have a great weekend. All right. When we come back, it's the top three things to do in the landscape this weekend. Stay tuned for a few more minutes. You're listening to WSB. So I think I've said it a number of times this show, and I apologize, but I really had a blast putting today's show together for you. So my thanks to Mr. Tom Cox, who I'm so glad I met, owner of the Cox Arboretum. Dr. Alan Armitage and I have such a great time, and it was really a pleasure and an honor meeting him for the first time through Dan Cathy of Chick-fil-A, and I think we've stayed pretty steadfast friends ever since then. Allison Smith from Pike Nursery and Jim Putnam, host of HortTube, all of those folks filled with great information. And certainly, I'll be following up with a lot of that on my Facebook page. You have to search Facebook for Green and Growing WSB. Green and Growing! Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. 
Here's your garden to-do list this week. Number one, how how's this? Seems pretty easy. Go harvest your blueberries. No, but I do have three more though. Uh, so technically, number one, plant these vegetables before mid-July. You still have time to eke out summer crops before the frost, like tomato plants, okra, and corn, and maybe another round of cucumbers, squash, and snap beans. And I'm really uh, thankful to all of you for submitting pictures of these furry-looking yellow bugs with, like, black antenna or black legs on your squash and on your cucumber leaves, and they're eating them. Yeah, that's the larva of, like, a squash lady beetle. Um, So pick those off, please. Or you can use spinosad, which is fine for vegetable crops if you need to, but it's easy to just pick those bugs off in the evening time when you see them. And number two, plant pumpkin seeds now through the middle of the month. I've got mine ready. You only need to plant them about an inch deep. Space them apart. Those vines are going to need plenty of room to grow. And when you're planting them, mound the dirt up just a little bit. I think they're going to be a little happier that way. And number three, centipede and Bermuda grass could still be showing signs of stress from that prolonged heat in June. And a lack of rainfall, but I think it's starting to bounce back. Nevertheless, if you're worried about it, raise the mowing height to half an inch to an inch until the stress seems to be eliminated. That's going to give you more of that green grass. You know, you're not cutting the new blades down. Always mow with a sharp blade. That really does make a difference. And you don't have to bag the clippings. You can leave them to decompose on the turf. So hopefully you were able to pick up a copy of my newsletter. Well, it came to your inbox yesterday. Uh, Sign up at wsbradio.com and look for the envelope in the upper right-hand corner of wsbradio.com. You can sign up for my newsletter, Uh, Dave Baker's, one from Scott Slade. I think Jamie Dupree still does one as well. Talked about poison ivy. I just can't get over it. Poison ivy. And I've got definitive pictures so that you will know what it looks like. And I just kind of referenced with Allison uh, ripening tomatoes, you know, whether or not to take them off the vine and let them ripen in the house. Many are slow to ripen. You're just now starting to see that red blush color pick up on those. I have the reasons why in the newsletter as well as orchids. I am going to dedicate myself to my own advice here with orchids to get them to rebloom. I've had plants that I've kept alive for two or three years, and they've never once given me more flowers. So I'm going to try to uh, hopefully win that out. And also at the bottom of the newsletter, too, and on the website, garden classes and opportunities, many of which are free. So if you didn't get the newsletter, you can find all of that at wsbradio.com slash green and growing. Oh, yeah. And one more thing I wanted to share with you. With it being National Blueberry Month, I dedicated an hour of the show to it. Go to the website, blueberry.org. That is put out by the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council. And boy, some great recipes, helpful tips, just ways to elevate your cookout game, using them on kebabs as part of the grill. A lot of stuff you haven't thought of and some adult beverages you could be making with blueberries as well. All right, y'all stay safe. We'll talk to you soon. Take care.